Psalm 121, notice it's uh, 21. I believe that this is what God is saying even for 2021. And it talks about preservation, so I want you to pay very close attention and those of you that are watching. So it says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. Now, some theologians think that really it, it is that whoever wrote this, they're not sure if it was David or any, anybody else, but it was it's anonymous. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from where, where does my help come from? In other words, there should be a question mark there. They were looking up at the hills. There was a threat perhaps from the hills. And they were saying, where is my help going to come from as I'm looking up at the hills? But then it's like it dawns on them. Wait a minute. My help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. And I want you to know, no matter what you're going through, how many have gone through something this year? How many of you have been going through something? Here's the beautiful part. The Bible says that my help comes from the Lord. Jesus said the helper would come, talking about the Holy Spirit. And if you have the Holy Spirit, you have Jesus, you always have ever-present help in any time of your need. Never forget that. Look at verse 3. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. And he that keepeth you, now keep uh, underline that word keepeth because that's the word where you get the word preservation or protection. He that keepeth you will not sleep. God's not going to go to sleep. Behold, look, he that keeps Israel shall not go to sleep. Amen. He's not going to become lazy. The Lord is thy protector. He's your preserver. The Lord is the shade upon your right hand. And he also is, as the sun shall not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. Notice this word. The Lord shall preserve you from how much? All evil. Amen. No matter what, God's going to preserve you from all evil, and he shall preserve thy soul. Now, why is he going to preserve your soul? Your soul is your mind, it's your will, it's your emotions. And if there's ever been a time that we need the preservation of our soul is now because there's so much that will pull you out of faith. There's so much that will pull you, if you allow it, into anxiety, into fear, into worry. But there is a preserving of your soul. In other words, no matter what's going on around you, like Jesus said in the Bible in Luke 21, he said, in your patience, possess your soul. In other words, you've got to learn to put a rein on your soul. When your soul wants to worry, when it looks like the future is not bright and you want to get caught up in fear, you have to put reins on it. Say, no, I have preservation over my soul. My soul is not going to be, be in worry. My soul is not going to be in fear. My soul is blessed. That's what David said. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that's within me, bless his holy name. But here's the beautiful thing about preservation. You say, well, what do you mean by preservation? When you look up the definition of preservation, it literally means to keep safe from injury to be kept, free, uh, be kept from harm. So if you're being preserved, you're being kept from injury. So when your kids are outside, you just stretch your hands and say, Lord, I speak a, a word of the God of preservation. Our children are protected. When they go to school, I speak over them, over their class, over their school, over their school bus, over the paths that they walk. I speak, Lord, your anointing of preservation that protects them and keeps them. How many understand that? When they're playing sports, and so there is that preservation. It is to protect. It is to keep you from harm, to keep you from destruction, and it is to protect you. Preservation means to keep alive. Okay, If somebody's life has been preserved, it, it means it's been kept alive. It's been extended. Here's why, as a Christian, 
you can expect and claim preservation over your life. In other words, uh, I, you know, I'm well, I'm healthy, I will live long and strong upon this earth. Why? Because Jesus became the curse. And part of that curse was sickness and disease. He died at 33 years of age, which is a very premature age, because it's to show you that what he became in the curse, including premature death, you don't have to. Under the covenant that he has given to us is preservation. You can live long and strong and well and healthy in the covenant of grace that he has extended through his blood. So, you know, think about this. How many of you have ever seen a Twinkie? You know, it's packed with preservatives. And here's the thing. You can put a Twinkie in a time capsule and 50 years later, it'll still taste like the Twinkie of 50 years ago. I remember I was in grade school and, and, and the teacher made everybody clean out their desk because she said, something smells in this classroom. And this is before I was wifed. Uh, but anyway, it was my desk. I had some old apple cores and some banana peels back in there and it was stinking up the class. But there was also a Twinkie that had been stuck back in there for about a year and it tasted just like it did when I first got it. But then there's some folk, as I said in the first service, they really like eating food. How many of you, you eat food? And I'm not putting you on blast, but you eat food that says no preservatives. Yeah, we try. Brendan and I try. But you know what? Have you ever noticed those food that say no preservative? They all taste the same. They taste like if you bit into a piece of cardboard. Isn't that right? There's no taste. But boy, there's sure a difference between the no preservative ones and the Twinkie with preserves. Isn't that right? <laughs> I'll take the Twinkie any day. But here's the thing. Why? The preservatives have kept that Twinkie alive. 50 years, 100 years, 1,000 years. Amen? Right? I mean, are you all looking at me like what? So that's what preservation is. But here's what you have to understand. Romans 10, 13, as I get into my message here. Romans 10, 13, this is part of your salvation package. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That word saved is the Greek word sozo, which means this. It doesn't just mean when you call upon the name of the Lord, you're saved, you get eternal life, forgiveness of sin, you get a mansion in heaven, and that's it. And then everything else is separate. No, it's, it's a big package that was provided through Jesus' shed blood called sozo. When you call on the name of the Lord to be saved, Jesus, come into my heart. Literally, do you receive forgiveness of sin, eternal life, you receive a mansion, but you also receive health, you receive healing, you receive wellness, you receive uh, rescue from harm, you receive blessing, and part of the same package and definition of sozo is preservation. Okay? Now, why am I saying this? So, as you know, I love trains. I love trains. I love the real ones, and I love mine on my layout. They're real, too. And so I love trains, and I was by my train layout just kind of needing some time away. It's been a very busy season, and I was working on my trains, and I tell you, I heard the voice of the Lord come to me very strong, and it was so, so evident that he was speaking to me. It sounded like he was standing right here, and I was at my layout, and I turned around, and I said, yes, Lord, speak. He said to me, he said, many have understood, and it was even prophesied, you know, sharing this with Sunil, we're going to talk about this on our prophetic pulse conference called Sunil used to work for a, a prophet that went home to be with the Lord called Kim Clement, and he was prophesying for a while that uh, America was resilient, 
And, and, and we were, Sunil and I were talking about this resilience, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, here's the thing. He said, Hank, not only is America resilient, in other words, it bounces back through trials through tribulation. Come on, how many of you know that's been the history of our great nation, that we've gone through a lot of things, but we always seem to bounce back, and God always continues to bless us. Do we deserve it? That's another discussion. No, we don't. But right now, this isn't a matter of whether we deserve it. God has injected himself right now into the United States to extend mercy to us. That's why, uh, that's what mercy is, unmerited, undeserved favor. We don't deserve the interjection or the implementation of God's hand of mercy right now. We really don't. But God has chosen to do this. And so as I was standing there, he said, not only have they prophesied resilience, but I want you to understand that there is a word that I'm going to even expound on that word resilience. I'm going to speak it through your lips. I said, what is it? He said, I want you to share with the people that not only is the United States resilient, but it is being preserved. I said, it is. He said, yes. And he said, even this election that is coming, he said, shall be dedicated to the children of this present generation and the future. He said, not only that, he said, I, and I said, well, why, Lord? Why is this election? What, what is it about this election? He said, because the enemy is trying to steal the future from this generation and future generations with a lot of things that are being thrown at this culture and, and really at this nation at this time. And he said, here's the thing, Hank. He said, I am going to give my son what he paid for with his blood. I'm going to give him the greatest harvest that he's ever seen. And he said, the enemy knows that, so he's trying to, come on, think about Matthew 13. Jesus gave an analogy, and those of you that are watching, he said that there was, when men slept, listen, the church has been a, a, asleep. The body of Christ in America has been asleep and has allowed a lot of evil to come into our nation. Don't think for a moment that this nation is going backwards. God told me, he said, this nation is not going backwards, even though it may look like it. What's happening is what has been here, what has been deeply rooted in evil and by evil is being uprooted, and it looks like the nation's going backwards, but God is uprooting it. Why? So that he can build and plant. And that's why this new judge coming is so important, because it's the planting of the Lord and his hand. And, and that's why they're going to fight like hell to try to stop it. But you never can stop when God is determined to move his chess piece. And he has. And it's going to be a domino that's going to cause everything else to shift and come into alignment. But this, this generation, this what we're seeing right now is being dedicated to the children. Think about how they've been preyed upon, trafficked. Tra is that a word, traffic? It's been horrible. Okay? And yet, Jesus said, it would be better that a millstone be tied around your neck than you cause these children to stumble. God's had it up to here. He's had it up to here with abortion. He's had it up to here with sex trafficking. He's had it up to here with pedophilia. He's had it up to here with pornography and perversion. And he is going to give this generation to the children. And watch what he does through the election that will preserve this nation. They can try to send out million false ballots. But in the end, will it be enough to stop God? No. Preservation. The hand of God that is chosen now to protect this great nation. And as I was standing there with my trains, God said to me, not only am I dedicating this election to the children, but I'm dedicating it to my son and his harvest, and he'll get it. And then he said this to me. He said, 
I want you to understand that this nation is being preserved with an anointing of preservation. He said, let me give you a biblical analogy so that you understand what I mean. Now listen to me. The biggest problem with people today is they spend most of their time feeding on what the earth is saying, what the culture is saying, the newspapers are saying, the media is saying. So they form their political opinions, they form their godly opinions, they form their biblical opinions, and they don't put their nose in the book, but they got it on the television set. So when someone speaks truth, they reject it or they refuse to listen because they haven't been connected to the right source. So listen to me. So I'm standing by my trains. God already told me, he said, Hank, there's some people, even in your own church, when you speak about this administration, this president, they don't agree, they don't like it. That doesn't matter. I have to speak for God. Here's the point. The point is this. I'm standing by my trains, and God says, even the, the slogans that are coming out. So where do, where do candidates and parties get their slogan that's going to represent you know, what they're going to stand for? If they're elected, if their party's elected, they say, we're going to do this. Okay, where do they get their slogans and their agendas from? There are two sources at work in the earth. There is God and there is the devil. There are two sources. And what happens is I can't believe how many Christians cannot discern what heaven is saying and yet they will support what the source of the enemy is and get behind it and vote for it. Listen to me. So I'm standing by my trains. This may not make you happy, but I'm going to say what God said to me. He said, even the saying, keep America great, is my agenda. It's a word of preservation. Do you think God wants this nation to be up in flames? Do you think God wants churches to be burned? Innocent people's businesses to be caught on fire? Do you think God wants there to continue to be racial disunity? So here we have to understand God wants to do something with this nation. And we are trying to divide it politically. And if we're not careful, we will slide right into deception. There is a spirit of preservation of God's protection. Let me give you an example. Look at Luke chapter 4. As you look in Luke chapter 4 in verse 16, uh, Jesus goes into Nazareth where he had been brought up. Now notice this. People, let me ask you a question. How many want to be like Jesus? Those of you that are watching, do you want to be like Jesus? All right, I just got you. Look at, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. As his habit or his custom was, he went to church. He went to the synagogue. It was his habit. Okay, how many want to be like Jesus? Then get to church or find your online church and be committed to it. So that's Jesus' habit. So he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Now watch this. And he stood up to read. Notice what he reads. He, he, he delivered unto them the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, notice Jesus opened, his, opened the Bible. Okay? The problem with people today is they open their TV. They open the magazine, the newspaper, and they keep their book closed. But he opened the book, and he found the place where it was written. Jesus knew the scripture. The problem with people today is they don't know the word. 
And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. He has set me at liberty to bring those that are, to, to those that are bruised. And he continues, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You would think that they would know who Jesus was, but they were blinded and they would have applauded him. But watch this. I know exactly, not to the degree, Jesus, that you felt it, but I know what it's like to prophesy something and then come out of the anointing, okay? Something happens when I'm standing right here often and God comes. And then when I step out of that moment and I look at people in the audience and their eyes are like this, or they're like this, depending upon if I went down the road of their agreement. And, and he closed the book and he gave it to the minister and he sat down. That's, that's the word cathizo, which is very powerful. Whenever you see the word or Jesus sitting down in scripture, it's the word cathizo where it means that he's taking a heavenly position on an, in an earthly place. So whenever he sits down and then he opens his mouth or he does something, he's backed by heaven, he's representing heaven, he's doing it with authority, and that's why demons got mad, people wanted to kill him. Come on, because he was speaking from that heavenly place of authority. That's why you got to get my book, The Throne Room Prophecy. So he sits down and all the eyes of those in the church were fastened on him. So he continues on and he speaks and he says, hey, by the way, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, verse 21. Skip down, look at verse 28. He talks about some more things. I've taught on that before. But notice as he continues his message, all they, not some, all in the church, when they heard these things, were filled with great anger. So notice what they wanted to do now. So now <laughs> they have an attempt. They rose up to thrust Jesus out of the city. Come on. Aren't we seeing the same thing? Christian uh, Christian." Uh, uh, you know, images and what stands for Christ and Christianity. Isn't it trying to be pushed out of our cities, out of our nation? Jesus knows what that's like. And they led him to the brow of a hill or the cliff where the city was built that they might throw him off the cliff. Now watch Jesus. Something is upon his life. He passes through the midst of them. In other words, he was translated. This was a supernatural thing. And the Bible says Jesus walked with his cool walk. Come on, just like he was bowling, you know. Kind of like this. He just passed right through them. They're like, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Did you see him? I didn't see him. He was right here. You sure he was here? Yeah, he was here. Where'd he go? Hey, you let him off your grip. Hey, I told you, grab his rope. I was. Jesus was gone. Supernaturally. But why? Why could Jesus escape the mob? Why could Jesus escape the chaos? Because of a spirit of preservation. Well, Pastor Hank, how did that come? Two ways. Preservation, listen to me carefully, comes by obedience. It wasn't until Jesus laid down his life because he had been obedient. He sacrificed and obeyed, giving his life. The reason why some folks, they die prematurely, is sometimes it's because of disobedience. So your obedience to do what God says will preserve your life. One of the, yes. One of the reasons why I believe America, the United States is being preserved is because there are a remnant of people, a small group of people who have been praying, crying out to God, who have been obedient. Think about this. If one man, Moses, could change the destiny of a nation in Exodus 32, when here they were corrupt, there was a sound, there was a noise, there was partying, there was uh, sexual perversion and things going on, a golden calf, 
that Aaron had made. And God says, Moses, get down there right now. I am so angry. Leave me alone. I want to boil hot in my anger. And I absolutely want to wipe out every single one of them, including their children. I'm going to start over with you, and I will have a nation called Moses. Leave me alone, God says. And Moses turned around and says, okay, if you blot their name out, you blot mine out too. But you, God, will remember your covenant. In other words, I refuse to leave you alone. You will preserve your nation. You will preserve your people. And I'm here to tell you there are uh, some Moseses who are different than Abraham. Abraham got caught up in human reasoning. He got caught up in the countdown and said, well, if there's 50 righteous, will you save Sodom and Gomorrah? And he was the one that implemented the countdown, not God. And they got down to where Abraham said, well, what about 10 righteous? Will you spare Sodom and Gomorrah? And, and God said, all right, if I can find 10 righteous. The problem was, Abraham, you were the righteous one. If you would have just stood up and said, will you save Sodom and Gomorrah for the sake of one righteous, God would have done it. But one of the saddest days, why there was no preservation, was because the Bible says in Genesis 19 that, God, that Abraham let God walk away. Rather than stand up and say, we are crying out for mercy and preservation. Listen, there are some Moseses that have got a hold of the heart of God, and I am one of them. And I say to God, you will remember your covenant, and you will remember. Listen. Israel, God dedicated himself to Israel. They rejected him. They didn't accept the Messiah. United States is one of the only nations in its longest history that ever dedicated themselves to God. And God has not forgotten. He is preserving this nation. Are you listening to me? That's why people say, well, do you think that so-and-so is going to win? No! Because if God can take a president who, who, who many do not like, but a lot of them do, and we're going to see a silent majority liked him a whole lot more, and, and the numbers don't reflect it, the polls don't show it, but you're going to be shocked. And, and here's the thing. If God can keep him from a Mueller report with dirty cops who are very skilled in their profession to put stink, if there was stink or if there was truth, and he escapes. And then when you've got a house that wants nothing more, they're angry and angry and angry that, that this president is president because they, they, they've worked since the time of their voting in by the people not to represent the people, but to represent their own agenda that they don't like the fact that he won. And so they've tried impeachment. Go ahead, walk out, bless you. Here's the thing. Listen to me. I'm not playing around anymore. Because God is preserving this nation. He is. And I'm here to tell you we are in spiritual war and we better wake up. Maybe that person had to go to the bathroom, so we'll give them grace. So if they come back in, give them grace. The Lord just corrected me. I'm corrected. I'm corrected, God. I'm corrected. I'm corrected. All right, you saw me get corrected by God. Listen to me. Here, here's the thing. In my zeal, it was not with knowledge. I got corrected. I humble myself, Lord. I do. Okay. But, but here's the point. Here, here's the point of what I want to say. How can one man keep escaping all of the attempts of impeachment and everything? Because there's been a spirit of preservation. Now, is he perfect in everything he does? I'm not even going to get into that. 
Because I don't believe anybody is. Okay? But there's a preservation. Why was Jesus preserved? Because in Luke chapter 4, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Okay? The anointing is upon him. It preserved him. Now, I'm saying all of this because Jesus said something in Luke 8, 18. I'm trying to wind down my message here so I don't keep you forever. Luke chapter 8, verse 18. Jesus said, be careful how you hear. This is important because as I was talking about the tares and about how God is going to get the harvest for his son. Remember in, in the Bible that, excuse me, the enemy sowed tares into the, the, the field while the people slept. And when he sowed these tares in, the good fruit grew up along with tares, or you could say weeds that were by the enemy. And they grew up together, and they were going to tear out the tares. And, and God said, wait, 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 leave it alone until the time of what? The harvest. Why is all this rage? Why is all of this happening right now in our nation? Because you can either look at the rioting and the hate and all of that stuff and the chaos that's going on and all of the evil and racial things that are going on and it just breaks God's heart. But here's the thing. Why? Because there's a harvest. There's something that God is preserving and protecting that it's not always going to be the same. But you've got to be careful how you hear. Well, what's the difference between how I hear or what I hear? Here's how it is. What you hear, what you focus on, ultimately determines how you hear. If you are listening nonstop to news that is feeding you with all kinds of reports, uh, I was uh, listening uh, to, to the president last night because I want to know what he's saying. I want to know what he stands for. And, and uh, he was talking, and he said that he went home and told his wife that he had got nominated for, for the Nobel Peace Prize. And he said, what's so amazing is here she's staying up late waiting for him to get back from one of his rallies, and she didn't have any idea. She was watching the news, flipping through the channels, and not one of the news channels mentioned that he got nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. So if you're just constantly listening to the news that is trying to undermine and speak and, and all this and hates, and you, if you feed on that constantly, here, here's the thing, you it will affect how you hear. If anybody says something contrary to what you hear, you won't believe it. You'll turn them off. You'll get mad. Well, Pastor Hank, what makes you different? I don't listen to the news. I really don't. Now, I had it on last night or two nights ago when, when there was a Supreme Court vacancy that happened. I wanted to hear what's being discussed a little bit. But my wife can tell you it has been months since I've had that TV on listening to the news. Now, I've watched a little bit of football. I had to turn off the football, too, because I got sick of the commercials. So I just would rather not have the TV on. I figure, I'm, I'm, I'm planning on just getting rid of the thing. I don't need it. Except when Matt comes over and we play video games, he beats me like 180 to zero in football. You know, I mean, really wants you to get rid of it. But let me show you something. Look at Matthew 23, 37. This is why it's so important that you don't stone or you recognize when God is saying something. The Bible says in Amos 3 that God does nothing in the earth unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. So there's a lot of prophesying going on, a lot of dreams, a lot of visions, a lot of thus saith the Lord going on right now. It happened in 2016. How do we know when something is being spoken by God? Here, here's the difference. You, you have to understand that, that if, if, a, if the commander-in-chief, no matter who, who the president would be or is, if they want to bring a warning or do something serious in a nation, 
and, and it's on a strategic level, and they want to bring a warning, or there is something that, that is coming towards the nation, are they going to call Fred at Freddy's restaurant who makes hamburgers and great custard shakes uh, and, and say, hey, hey, I want to share this with you, uh, you know, what are you hearing? What do you, no, they're, they're going to go with those that have been part of rank and file, that God has positioned in the earth that represent him, uh, that have heard his voice, that have been promoted. How do we know? In the Old Testament, Nathan the prophet, uh, Elijah, Elisha, Jonah, come on, Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, Samuel the prophet, they were recognized prophets that would speak warnings or corrections or direction to a nation. It wasn't just nobodies. They were people that were recognized, that they understood. In the New Testament, in Acts chapter 11, there was uh, Agabus uh, who was uh, prophesying about a great famine. And the Bible says that the apostles in Jerusalem came down. They knew of Agabus. They knew of his prophetic accuracy. They knew of his office. So he wasn't just a nobody, a no-name that, that you know, just appeared out of nowhere giving directive words or words of warning. The problem is today it's so easy to get an internet channel. It's so easy to get a social media page and put out your revelation. I'm not saying God can never do it that way, but generally God is going to go through rank and file and authority. High-level information are going to be given to those who have come up through the ranks who hold positional rank in the kingdom of God. And when they speak, their words will carry authority upon them because they represent that place of authority given by Jesus. Now, here, here's why I say that. In Matthew chapter 23, 37, this is why it's so important that you, you know, just don't throw out what I'm saying to you. Because Jesus speaks and he talks to the people of Jerusalem and he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You have killed the prophets. In other words, you killed those that I sent to you. So did they accept the prophecies? Did they reject the prophecies? Did they reject what God was saying? Yes, they killed them. Now notice this. How often I would have gathered your children together. I was trying to unify you. Come on, I believe God's got a plan to unify this nation. But are we going to reject it? And did God's agenda reach the highest place or highest maximum potential that it could have had the people received the prophets no so the lord's saying a lot of things and we've got to align ourselves and say you know what god i want your agenda i don't want my own agenda i don't want to prophesy my own agenda i don't want to prophesy biases i don't want to prophesy my opinions i don't even want to uh, prophesy my political persuasion or preferences I would have, now watch this, gathered you together like a hen gathers her chickens under wings. But notice who God put the burden of responsibility upon. You would not. In other words, you would not receive. So the problem was with them. Are you here? So if things don't work out in our nation, guess who God's going to hold accountable? Us. Now, why am I saying this? Look at Hosea chapter uh, 12 verse 13 and I want to share a couple prophecies and then we're going to call it a day if they could come to the uh, keyboard please that's great so Hosea chapter 12 verse 13 praise God thank you for letting me share boldly with you amen, amen. now sometimes let me say this this is why sometimes I'm just going to be vulnerable with you sometimes when I'm under this kind of anointing uh, I can be a little bit and I don't mean to be that way so again if I attack the guy who went to the bathroom forgive me I feel, I feel horrible. And, and let me say this. 
Church, I, I got to mentor you in something. Most pastors in the United States of America, this is not an excuse, only have to speak to their congregation, right? Their, their local assembly. This congregation is not the only one because there's other vessels that have international, national ministry influence. So I don't just speak to you. I speak to a whole world that watches. So sometimes the level of anointing that will come, you're just coming to church and you want to hear about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And Pastor Hank's up there, shoom, bam, shoom, bam. You're like, what the heck did he eat today? And sometimes because of where I stand and what God has called me to do, I have to deal with something a little bit more than just, I don't feel good, devil. I have to deal with stuff that's trying to steal the future from a nation. You understand? So sometimes it can come out where I'm swinging, and I'm not trying to be that way. Okay? I am a nice person who still feels corrected by God. All right. And by a prophet of the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. And by a prophet was he preserved. So notice what God used to bring a nation out of their trials, their plagues. <laughs> Come on, what did God, who did God use? God used a prophet, right? What is God using to bring our nation through? A prophet. Not just this ministry, but there's other, other that's how God does it. Well, I don't believe in prophets. Well, then the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, that God set them in the church. That's New Testament, 1 Corinthians 12, 28. We have no right then to take them out. And so here's the key that you have to understand. By a prophet, he brought the nation out. By a prophet, here's what he also did. He preserved them. He protected them. I'm telling you, what I'm sharing with you are not words to make you politically upset, but to let you know the agenda of God to preserve this nation and its agenda. Now, let's talk about this. I'm going to end with these. Did they come up? Okay, you can start playing. In October 14th of 2015, they can put up this prophecy. God talks about a new era. He says, in the times that are about to be upon you, America, I will show you visible signs that there is a shaking that has begun by the hand of God, the Most High. And there shall be a former president that shall be laid to rest. And this will be a sign of a what? End of an era. Do not be afraid when you see a shaking that will come by the way of the soil of this land. So he's talking about how it will happen at the same time. That happened November 30th, 2018. So three years later where President Bush Sr. dies. And on the same day there was an Alaska earthquake 7.0. God says there's a new era. Okay. Just like how many of you ever heard of the golden era or the technology era. There's a new era coming on, and it's going to start shifting in our courts. And, and that's part of the sign of, of what the Lord is saying. Now, I say all that to you because I want you to look at, we've just had a vacancy on the Supreme Court, and here's the thing. We don't want to, obviously, we've got families that are grieving. That was somebody's mother. I don't know if they had children, grandmother, whatever. Uh, there's people that really loved and respected her. I'm not here to celebrate her, and I'm not here to demonize her. I'm here to share with you the word of the Lord that came before this vacancy, okay, so that you can see what God's intent is. So this prophecy was from December 31st, 2018. I had people texting me last night saying that the president said, and I heard him say it out of his own mouth, that he is going to appoint a woman. How many of you heard that? How many, how many read that? Well, pastor, why would you share that? Because I want you to see that God already prophesied that there would be a woman that would come to the court. So on December 31st, 
of 2018, so almost three years ago, listen to what God said. I'm greater than your Senate. I'm greater than your Supreme Court. I will shake your court again. And one who represented death, who was part of legalizing death to those who never had a chance to walk the earth, I shall take that which represented death of a ruling of a woman and I will give back to your courts a woman who shall represent what? Justice. And as this takes place, get ready, because this is the new era that I'm speaking of. Remember, he talked about an era and a sign, a passing of a president and an earthquake. Now he's saying, watch when this Supreme Court justice, a woman arises on the court. Now, why do you think there's going to be a tremendous fight between now and the election, now until the inauguration? Because the enemy knew about this prophecy, he knows that there is a woman that's going to rise up on the court who is, now we're going to keep reading, watch the agenda of God. Why is he bringing a woman? Why is the party on the other side saying right now, we don't want there to be a vacancy filled? Because the enemy knows who and what God's going to do with the who that's going to come into position. Let's read it. Here it goes. And God says, that which represented, I will use, uh, represented death of a ruling of a woman, I'll give back to your courts a woman who shall represent justice. And as this takes place, get ready, because this is the new, the new era that I'm speaking. There shall be a reversal of the laws upon the land that aborts the children in the womb, and it's coming fast. So if you were the devil, would you want this woman to arise, whoever she is? And I have a feeling she's going to be a very strong pro-life candidate. And it's going to make them absolutely ballistic. Let's look at the next one. And then we're going to stand your feet because I want to get done. May 22nd, 2019. Look at what the Lord said. May 22nd, 2019. Just as things get heated up in your land, there will be a distraction. So this is May 22nd, 2019. As things get heated up in the land, there will be a distraction that shall be from your Supreme Court. So what's coming from the Supreme Court? A distraction. Okay? It will bring discussion, fear, arguing, bickering, because it's about to fall upon this nation. One who stood for death in the womb. So God knew who he was talking about, so did I. Justice demands your replacement. So he was speaking this May 22nd, 2019, that there would come a replacement of this woman. Therefore, a woman has been chosen to rise up. So who is God looking at? A woman. Who did the president say? A woman. A woman for a woman. So he's telling you who the replacement's going to be. A woman for a woman. Injustice, in other words, that which legalized abortion. Injustice for justice. How many got that? There's been injustice. Who God brings is going to bring justice. This is a new era that I speak of, says the Spirit of God. Now, let me show you the last one. October 26, 2016. Now, do the the math for a second. October 26, 2016. How many days was that before the election? Few days, two weeks, okay? God, for whatever reason, from this platform, decides that he's going to prophesy about the Supreme Court. You would think he'd prophesy about the election. But God knew what needed to happen with this election because of this prophecy and what it's going to do. So, this prophecy, as I get ready to read it to you, talks about, and those of you that are watching, I'm almost done, vacancies. How many vacancies has there been on the court since the election? Two. What is this vacancy? It's the third. Okay? 
pay attention. The prophecy tells you almost five years ago what's going to happen on the third vacancy. Are you ready? And then we didn't even know at that time who the president was going to be. But God was speaking something. Watch this. Your Supreme Court will change for I am the Supreme Judge. God says, watch for I will rise up. I will, I, for watch for I will raise up when there's a vacancy of two and then what? Three. Okay, so you say, watch the third vacancy. In the Spirit of Grace says, there shall be a what? That shall that I will place there at the helm or in place of authority. And this shall be a compassionate woman, says the Lord. And it shall be her compassion for the right for the unborn to live. So when they try to character assassinate her in the coming days and weeks, you will know what God said already about who he has chosen. That's why don't listen to the political garbage and character assassinating and the fact that, well, they really shouldn't be appointing a judge right now because the last wishes of a judge was, I get all that, but if, it, if the roles were reversed, they would, I apologize to you, thank you, God bless you. If I have to shake your hand in person, I will. But here's the point, the point is, the point is, I feel so bad, I feel terrible, I really do, but anyway, let me get over it. But here's the point that I want you to understand. When they try to demonize this person that's going to come, it's because they're going to have a strong compassion for the unborn, or, and they're going to have a very strong pro-life because of what God said. It's going to overturn. So when you see this candidate appear, pay attention. Don't get caught up in all the hate. If the roles were reversed, the other side would do it too. Right? If they, if they were president and they had an opportunity to put somebody in there that didn't like God, because that's what the party stands for, and, and was going to rule always to continue abortion, they would put somebody in the vacancy too, because that's what a president is to do. So, let's read it again. A compassionate woman says the Lord, and it shall be your compassion for the right for the unborn to live that shall overturn and topple the laws that have aborted the innocent. What does a nation look like filled with glory? Can you see it? Can you see it? It says the Lord. So what is God saying? There's coming toppling of abortion laws. It's going to be thrown out. And if you are the devil and you've convinced people to vote people into office that wants to continue to do this, would you be upset that there's a vacancy now of one who used to legislate that way? And listen, I'm not saying it takes a lot to to be elected to the Supreme Court or selected Supreme Court. So that's not to minimize the fact that it was hard work for, 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 the, for that, you know, Supreme Court justice that's no longer with us. I don't, I don't uh, you know, make light of that at all. What I'm saying for is what she legislated and what God is saying, uh-uh, I'm going to bring something completely different. So the fight is on and it's not just... I was texting with Brother Copeland uh, a couple days ago, and I said, this is, this is not just a vacant seat. This is an end to abortion. And, and, and I said, this is not just, this is the future of America. America is going to shift towards righteousness and justice. That's why the enemy is afraid. Father, I pray for whoever... It is that they're going to put their hand upon. In fact, you know, I keep feeling in my spirit 
One of the cities right now that have been under amazing attack, and there's been more deaths there, Chicago. And I, and I feel as I'm standing under the anointing here that there is a strange connection about Chicago and this vacancy, and I'm not sure what that is. So we'll just see what happens. Well, what if he chooses a man? Well, then the president and me, we missed it. Because he said a woman. That's what he feels. I prophesied it. So who, you know, I'm not going to worry about it. I don't prophesy something and try to make it work. Father, we pray for whoever that is in closing. That, Lord, you will bring protection and preservation over her, over that appointee, over the process, everything. Father, put a preservation over the cities, our monuments, Lord, our places of worship. Lord, even those strategic places in the United States, because of the anger and the hate and the opposition, Lord, preserve this nation. Bring, Father, a protection that innocent people will not be harmed or their properties or their lives. Lord, I speak of protection and preservation over this congregation and those that are listening in the sound of my voice. I ask you to bless them. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, why don't you give somebody a high five? God bless you. I love you. You are dismissed.